Brought to you by Modelo. Oh. Welcome back to Thrown Hands. A uh, little rate, late review on uh, Fight Night Smith vs. Rakic, but we are here. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jacob. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So we're going to just hop into it right now. Zach Cummings versus uh, Rico. Zach, uh, this was a very back-and-forth fight, as you can tell. They landed this, the same amount of strikes the three rounds with Zach Cummings landing one more, but that head kick at the end of the third round really sealed the deal for him. What were your thoughts on this one? I would have to agree with you there. Zach Cummings, as you said, these guys battled for three rounds. And Zach Cummings, I think, was just a little more convincing in the way that, that he was striking Alessio DeSharico. Uh, this was a, a really interesting fight, a really fun fight to watch. But like you said, I think the, how impressive that head kick was probably stuck in the judges' minds and probably pushed him a little bit over the top towards the win. All right, so for Dietrico, it's a really interesting situation for him when it comes to what's next, I think. He really hasn't had many winning ways as of late. He's lost his last three. Uh, what do you think's next for him? I mean, this is a guy that could be cut, honestly, just based on the trends that are going on. He's only 30 years old, but he's lost three fights in a row, like you said. They've not been against bad competition necessarily, uh, but – he's he's just in a bad position because he's been in the UFC for four years. He's never done much with it. He's lost more than he's won. He's three and five in the UFC. I, I'm not sure I see much of a future for him in the UFC. I hate to say that. I hate to be that definitive about somebody, but he's just not put himself in a position to have enough success to stick around on this roster. Yeah, you make a good point there. He's lost his last three. I, I want to say four of his last five. But four of six, four of six, yeah. But it's not it's not been good for D. Shariko. And if we if we see him get the boot, we wouldn't be surprised. So to Zach Cummings, um, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see him fight someone the likes of uh Kevin Holland because, you know, Kevin Holland's been on a couple few fight win streak. He's trying to crack into that top fifteen, and uh, I believe Zach Cummings has won three of his last four. So this could be a little top fifteen. Uh. uh see where they get in the top 15 if these two fight what are your thoughts yeah I, I would think so and that would be a good matchup between these two a couple guys that are uh, kind of moving up in the world as far as that division goes uh, and I think that would be a good matchup there's there's some ties there uh, Zach Cummings has a win over Trevin Giles who Kevin Holland was supposed to, supposed to fight earlier uh, at the beginning of August but obviously he fainted backstage that fight never happened so I think it would be a similar kind of matchup to that. I think Zach Cummings, we would probably agree, is at a higher level than Trevin Giles. Obviously, he has a win over him. But I think that would be a similar caliber of fight for both guys. All right. So, yeah, I think I think Kevin Hall is next for Cummings. So, on to the next fight, Maki Patola versus Impa Kasaganai. 
Kasang and I coming straight off the contender series, 18 days after his contender series debut, he comes in against Coconut Bombs, Mikey Patolo, and really just takes the cake from Patolo, advancing forward almost the whole fight, it seemed like. And he was landing a lot of strikes to the head and not really diversifying his stuff up, but it worked for him. What were your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, Kasang and I just controlled the fight. He did exactly what he needed to win. Uh, he kept Maki Patolo back on his heels, and he used his power and athleticism to just have complete control of this fight, like I said. And Kasang and I is a guy that's a really exciting prospect coming off of the Contender Series. Not much of a finisher through his career, but he knows how to win fights. That's exactly what he did on Saturday. Yeah, and I mean, lately for Patolo, he hasn't figured out how to win fights. I think he's lost uh, He's lost two in a row, and I want to say, uh, yeah, three of his last four. And this guy, he's, he came off the contenders. No, he didn't come off the contender series, I think. I don't know. I don't remember. But he's, he's in danger of getting cut if he doesn't get a win quickly. What do you think? Yeah, you were you were right in saying he came from the contender series. He was on, on contender series 19 last year. And... Honestly, it's it's a weird little thing with Patolo because he fought on the Contender Series at middleweight, but he's been at welterweight ever since he's been on the UFC roster, and it's just not worked out for him. He's lost three of his last four, like you said. He's not fought bad competition. Kasangane is a guy that is is a solid prospect that he was fighting on three weeks. Uh, Darren Stewart is obviously a formidable opponent, but like you said, he's just not done enough on the roster to stand out even in his losses to, to be able to stick around. I don't think. All right. So I think the uh, one thing he may have going for him is that he's willing to take fights. He's fought three times in the last three months. Yeah. Yeah. You make a good point there. And I think that's made, that may be reason he's still on the roster. Hey, need a fight, bring this guy in. Yeah. So I think these guys aren't going to, is not going to face a ranked opponent, but I think we can see him uh, fight. He heck, called out Marvin Vittori. I, I would like to – I think he could handle Marvin Vittori, but the thing is with Kasanganai is he's only fought seven or eight times. Yeah, that, that's such a jump forward. That, that's such a jump. I don't doubt he could do it, but that's such a jump forward. Now, could we see him fight uh, uh, Stewart like Patolo did a few weeks ago? I would, yeah. That'd be a good matchup, I think. What do you have to say? I think that would make a lot of sense. Uh, Darren Stewart was a guy that – uh, he won that. I, I wouldn't say he was a, a huge underdog in that Maki Patolo fight, but he came in and won in a way with a guillotine choke that was his first career submission win. So he's a guy that's doing some things a little differently. Uh, Kasangane is a really hot prospect. So, yeah, you match those two guys up. I think it would be a really good fight. I think it would be good for both of their careers. I think whoever wins that is moving up in the world pretty quick. Definitely. And with uh, Maki Patolo, um, I think that he he's going he's going to get thrown another guy off the contend series, and if he doesn't win, he might get the boot. What do you have to say? I would have to think so. I think uh, the fact that he does take fights, the fact that he fights often, is going to get him another shot. But if if he comes out against another contender series guy and throws up a dud, he's gone. All righty. So to uh, a featherweight matchup here: uh, Ricardo Lamas versus Bill Algio. This is a really interesting matchup. Lamas. Uh, won the first round by the skin of his teeth. That could have gone either way. Then Algio takes control in the second round, but Ricardo Lamas probably could have gotten a 10-8 round in that third round. With, he had top control for nearly the whole round, and he just landed some bombs. What do you have to say about uh, this performance? Yeah, Lamas was just able to control uh, to combine, excuse me, big shots and, and takedowns, and then once he did get a takedown, uh, he controlled Algio on the mat. Uh, he He just, like you said, 
really close first round, really good second round from Algio. But then Lamas, uh, the more experienced fighter here, just was able to dominate that third round. He knew that's what was going to count. He knew that's where this fight was going to be won. And he, the, the, the total strikes, Bill Algio actually had more total strikes in this fight. But when it comes down to what wins fights, significant strikes and takedowns, Ricardo Lamas outclassed him 15 more significant strikes, four more takedowns. So this was just, in my opinion, a case of a much older, much more experienced fighter uh, knowing what it takes to win a close fight. And that's exactly what Lamas did in that third round. Yeah, you make a good point there. He knew, Algio knew what, uh, Lamas knew what he was doing. He's seen everything. He make he made the uh, adjustments accordingly at the end of the second round to get the win. But Algio shouldn't be deterred by this. This was his first fight in the UFC. And he fought a pretty formidable opponent in Lamas, who's challenged for the featherweight title before. So I think Algio has a bright future uh, still, but uh, he might get a, a step down in competition because of this. What do you have to say? Yeah, that was a that was a tough push for him off the bat, facing off with, uh, like you said, a former title contender uh, in Lamas. But I think Algio sticks around. I don't see him getting dropped off the roster anytime soon. And I think he finds himself fighting maybe somebody off the contender series, maybe even somebody coming off of a loss that's already established on the roster. I don't see Bill Algio going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, nor do I. And Ricardo Lamas, I think he, he'll just kind of stay a gatekeeper of the division when it comes to the featherweights. A, a formidable opponent still, but he can really test these young guys coming in like Algio. And he may get a little step up in competition, but uh, I don't know. What do you have to say about this? I, I can't disagree with anything you said. He's obviously past his prime, but he can still beat people. He can still serve as that test early in guys' runs in the UFC, and I think that's what we're going to see him do. I think we could see a Justin James matchup coming soon, but you know, be nice. uh, he, he called it uh, Clay Guida. <laughs> okay. That's a step up. Anyway, yeah. so two of – I was surprised at uh, Grass's performance here. She she really uh, took it to uh, Ji Young Kim. Um, she got a takedown in there, had 88 significant strikes compared to uh, Ji's uh, 68. What do you have to say about this fight? Alexa Grasso looked great in this fight. Uh, stepping up in a weight class, I was a little bit worried about her conditioning. Uh, like it, it seems like one of the memes of the summer in the UFC was John Volante stepping up to heavyweight and his <laughs> – his uh, physique and conditioning issues with that. Uh, but Alexa Grasso, despite being a little undersized at 125, moved up, looked really good, uh, fought a pretty formidable opponent in Gian Kim and kind of, I, I wouldn't say dominated, uh, but very clearly controlled that fight from start to finish. Outstruck her by almost 40, uh, 20 more significant strikes. Uh, Grasso, despite, like I said, being a little undersized at 125, I could see uh, kind of being a force in this division moving forward. Yeah, I could see her definitely being a force too because her striking is quite refined. She pushes forward the whole fight, and that's that's how she beat Kim. She didn't really let Kim take her down, and it's she she played her fight and she won the match. So you can't really complain there. And what do you think's next for Jiang Kim? I think it's really interesting because this flyweight division is pretty much like all that's in this division. She just dropped out, but what do you have to say? I'm I'm not really sure about Gian Kim. Uh, she dropped out of the top 15, like you said. Uh, I'm not sure uh, who there is uh, for her to fight in this division. It's a deep division. I mean, Macy Barber, uh, I get that she's still an up-and-comer and she's coming off an injury, but Macy Barber's ranked at number 10 in this division. You know when you have a fighter of that caliber ranked that low that you're dealing with some pretty serious depth. Uh, so uh, there's, there's plenty of opponents for Gian Kim. I, I'm just not sure who it would be right now because uh, obviously – 
the, the title picture at the top of this division is pretty well settled, but the rest of the rankings, you, you could give or take just about anybody. Yeah, definitely. And for Grasso, I think we could see her fight Antonina Shevchenko potentially next. I think she does deserve that little step up in competition. And I think, it, excuse me, it'd be a fantastic test for her uh, stylistically. What do you have to say? I think that'd be a really good fight for obviously two elite level strikers. Uh, Shevchenko obviously being one of the most refined strikers in the world, uh, regardless of her record in mixed martial arts. You throw uh, Alexa Grasso in there, that'd be a great test for her. Definitely. So to the co-main event of the evening, Ruthless Robbie Lawler versus the Haitian sensation in Neil Magny. Uh, Dan Stubbs tweet really summed this up. We're going to finally see Robbie Lawler fight in 2020, and it was a straight dud. Neil Magny controlled the whole fight with takedowns, stretching it out. Uh, He outlanded him in strikes and significant strikes. Neil Magny just played the perfect game plan, and he won. What do you have to say? Uh, This fight was was a little bit different because he did throw so many strikes. And I know I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I call people out for talking about Kamara Usman like this. Neil Magny is so boring. It's not even funny. And you take something exciting like Robbie Lawler coming back, and Neil Neil Magny just grinds him into dust for three rounds. Like, it was a good fight. It was was a well-fought fight on Neil Magny's side. But nothing happened. Nothing happened in this fight. Yeah, nothing happened. It was just completely uneventful. Now, obviously, props to Neil Magny for what he did against Robbie Lawler, just straight up eliminating him from the whole fight, practically, and he just dominated the whole fight. Uh, So, to what's next? Robbie Lawler, he'll probably drop out of the rankings, honestly. There's no... Oh, he already. Oh, they already released the rankings. Oh, okay. He's down to fifteen. He's down to fifteen. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him out there, uh, out of there, pretty soon. But what do you think is next for ruthless Robbie Lawler? Uh, Lawler, he's obviously well past his prime. Prime Robbie Lawler is. I mean, he's putting Neil Magny to sleep in the first round. But for for Lawler, I just don't know because. Uh, he's he's not looked good. He didn't look good Saturday. And obviously you don't want to see former champions just continue to fight and fight and fight until they can't fight anymore. But that, that seems like what, what guys like Lawler, guys from that era are, are starting to do. And I just don't know what's next for him because I, I don't want to have the image in my mind of Robbie Lawler tarnished by him getting beat up by, you know, random dudes off the contender series for two years at the end of his career. Yeah. You make a good point there. I don't, I don't want to see him, you know, I don't want to see him become that gatekeeper in a sense, but I just kind of just want him to retire. You know, he's a legend. He's a legend, but on Daniel Magni, I think we could see a Rafael dos Anjos next, maybe uh, even a Damian Maya. If he wants that much step up in competition, what do you have to say? I want to see him fight Luke. Ooh, Yes. Total mix of styles. Yes. Uh, Luke Luke just comes right after you, and Neil Magny is perfectly content to do absolutely nothing for three rounds. So Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Let's just hope Neil Magny doesn't control that fight. Yeah. (laughs) It'd be a a complete clash of styles, and I'd be all here for it. Yes, as would I. So to the main event of the evening, this is not at all how I expected this fight to go. Alexander Rakic... Controlled the fight, knocking Smith down and getting him on the ground and just maintaining top control for a very, very large majority of the fight, as you can see by the strike differential. 
Rackets landed 141 strikes to Smith's 40 and 44 significant strikes to Smith's nine. Uh, this was surprising for me. I think, I think Anthony Smith needs to figure his stuff out. What do you have to say about this fight? Dude, Rackets looked like a beast. Yes. I mean, he was that – was, that was really impressive from, from Alexander Rakic. And to the point to where he's, he's going to be a big player in this light heavyweight division, I think, sooner rather than later. I think, obviously, you've got you've to handle the situation uh, with, with actually getting a champion in that division. But Rakic is, is, has put himself right there in contention for a shot in the, in the near future. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, the winner of this, uh, Santos, uh, who's he fighting? Oh, Teixeira fight coming up. Teixeira, Teixeira, sorry, sorry, sorry. uh, Coming up soon uh, will kind of be who this guy fights next. I don't think there's really much question of that. And the winner of that fight gets the next title shot. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's my view. Uh, I would think so. I could see uh, in the Teixeira-Santos fight, if one of those guys is extremely dominant, them going straight to a title shot. But it would make a lot of sense for the winner of that to square off with Rockic and that to be the next number one contender. Definitely. And for Smith, I don't know what's next for him. He, he it's it's just a really bad, weird situation man. for him. And he's not he's not old. He's thirty two, but he seems like he's been fighting like he's been thirty six. He got straight up mauled by Glover Teixeira. I know you saw that meme that I sent you yeah. with the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dentist i but it's i don't know maybe a, a ryan spandex or a hua like he's he he'll get a step down in competition for yeah. sure what do you think i i definitely agree with that it, it's going to be a step back for anthony smith uh, like you said he's a guy that's by no means out of his prime but he's just looked like he's much older than he is he, he did not look good on saturday and he's going to get a step back in competition as far as rackage goes if if it becomes a situation where Santos and Bilal, or excuse me, uh, Santos and Teixeira, the winner of that, gets a title shot, I could see them matching up Alexander Rakic and Yuri Prochaska as as a potential title eliminator as well. Yes, 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 yes. Maybe even in a spelling bee. You know my reference. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, to some news. Um, I'll start with something. Uh, Fighters that have come on the podcast are now two and two when uh, (laughs) after coming on the podcast. Uh, Adrian Hadjabeha lost by rear naked choke to one of uh, Greg Jones' guys uh, at LFA. Josh Friend got a knockout on Friday. Pretty nice, too. And... To the losses, uh, you know, Justin Janes took the L a few weeks ago against uh, t- uh, Gavin Tucker. And Jose Johnson yesterday got pounded by a wrestler, got getting taken down 10 times in the 15 minutes and was held on the ground for nine minutes. I don't know if you have anything to say about that. Yusuf Zalal got a win in there. Oh, yes, he did. Th- uh, three and two uh, people coming yeah. on the podcast. Exactly. Exactly. Yusuf Zalal got a win. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes, yes, so. yes. We're yeah, uh, we're 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 doing all right. We're doing all right. We're doing all right. Uh, do you have any news? Uh, Dana White talking about John Jones versus Brock Lesnar. That's a thing. I don't I don't know how to th- I don't know what to think. Brock Lesnar is apparently a free agent uh, from the WWE. His contract apparently expired with them, and Dana White thinks that Brock Lesnar would quote uh, would be a good or would be a good introduction for John Jones at the heavyweight division here's the thing he's not John Jones isn't going to come into this at 
205 or or like 220, 225. He'll probably come in at 250, 255. He's going to be huge. Yeah. And it, Brock Lesnar is by no is probably going to be after weigh-ins, you know, 180. But I and he's so old, and John Jones is so fluid, and I don't expect John Jones's fluidity to go anywhere. And he's going to get more power because he doesn't have to cut weight. So uh, I think uh, it would be a good introduction for him, but uh, Brock Lesnar would just – I think he could just get pounded. I don't know. What do you think? I would agree with that. Brock's obviously past his prime, and John Jones is not looking like he's going to go anywhere. So I, I would see John Jones winning that fight pretty easily. So we have uh, Diaz uh, Masvidal coming up. Yes. Apparently. Yes, they're working on scheduling that. It's it's a possibility they've said essentially, and I would I'd be all for it. Get a second fight in that series. They said they're interested in booking it, but it's not a done deal yet. So I'd be excited for that moving forward. You see, I don't know. What to think of, I don't know what to think about that honestly because you know Nate Diaz is thirty five or thirty six, and he has just so much scar tissue. This fight's not going to get past the first round. He already yeah. cut so much when he was younger, and the scar tissue just opens up more easily now. So it's this. If Masvidal just gets a good cut on him, it's over. But if if Nate Diaz can somehow stay cut free, pretty much, I, I'm all ears. But the yeah. thing is, for Masvidal, he's cut. His, he has so many title chances. He has a title chance. He's probably next up in line, possibly after this unless they decide to give Colby Covington the fight if he dominates Tyron Woodley. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this fight? I think this is going to be a money fight. This is going to have nothing to do with title contention or anything like that. This is going to be two guys fighting for the payout. And if that's what these two guys want to do, that's that's more power to them. Uh, but like you said, Masvidal could potentially jeopardize a title shot if if he does this. And I'm not sure that's something he would want to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, nothing comes to mind, man. Uh, Dustin Poirier said that uh, he hasn't been offered a Tony Ferguson fight yet, but he would take it if it's offered. Uh, but that's about it. Nothing, yeah, I, nothing concrete. I mean, I hope that happens. <laughs> I think we all want that to happen. Yeah. There's two yeah, guys exactly. who move forward. <laughs> all right. Uh, that'll do it for us here. Um, Check us out on Twitter at Throwing Hands Pod. Um, trying to plug us as many places as you can. You can see us on Apple, uh, Twitter, not tw- uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. If if you look up U ninety two, the playlist, and uh, YouTube at Throwing Hands Podcast. Daniel, I'd like to thank you back. Thank you for coming back on. It's been a while, yes, sir. It's been a, it's been a little while. It's been a it's been a weird couple days, uh, working on some things. Uh, for high school sports in West Virginia, of course, if you're listening this listening to this and you don't know, we are a couple of college students at West Virginia University, and high school sports are a little weird in West Virginia. Uh, I do uh, commentary for high school football uh, on the side, and things are getting a little weird right now. So I've had to take a couple of days to work on some things there, uh, but we're we're gonna get back at it. We're gonna have a lot more episodes of the show coming out real soon. All right, well, that'll do it for us guys, and we'll see you probably for the preview of. Uh, Fight Night Overeem versus Sakai.